All right. These guys want me to preach the word. Does that sound okay to you guys? Does that sound all right? Let's do that. You can open your Bibles to John chapter 13. And as you're doing that, I just want to invite you to one thing. And that is, even if you're maybe visiting from out of town, you're here, you know, you live in Texas, perhaps. We do have a couple of people who come from Texas. And maybe you're visiting for the week. And I would like to invite you to go with me on Wednesday morning at 9.15 to go out to Mescalero to the care center. Where we're going to go and have a short uh, devotional time. Um, Mr. Uh, Don, Don, where, where are you, Don? There he is. Mr. Don Gibson's going to bring his guitar along. We'll sing a couple of hymns. And then uh, we've got Mr. Uh, Mike Spence. Dr. Mike Spence is going to have a short devotional time for those guys. And then we're going to give them hugs and pray with them. And so we like to bring visitors with us, even that don't, aren't a part of Gateway. You can go with us, meet here in the parking lot at 9.15, and we will be gone for about two hours. We'll be back about 11 or 11.15, and we'd love for you to join us, okay, this Wednesday morning at 9.15. Well, we're in our series this morning that we just started a little while ago called Good and Beautiful, Good and Beautiful. And um, it's a series about the church. About the church. I've named it good and beautiful because she is his bride. And brides, most of the time, about 99% of the time, are good and beautiful. They've prepared themselves, they've made themselves ready for that wedding day. And, and not only the outside, but there's this glow from the inside. That there's love and there's, there's just beauty that's coming out of them. And so we want to be his bride. We are his bride. And we want to be good and beautiful. I'll tell you this. I've been to quite a few weddings here in the month of May. And I'm going to tell you something that you already know. It is very easy to recognize a bride at a wedding. That is no problem. You may not be able to recognize somebody else. Like, who, you know, who's, the, who's the mom of the, of the groom? You know, or who, who, who is that best man? You know, who is that? Or, or, or who's, that, you know, who's that guy that uh, you know, is, is trying to find his way around back there that's stumbling around and making a scene? Who are those people? But it's no problem recognizing the bride. Some things are just easy to recognize. Just to make sure you're paying attention and that you're with me today. Tell me if you recognize some of these things. This is what we call brand recognition. So this right here, you know as what? Nike, Nike exactly, okay? That's an easy one, no problem. And this one's probably pretty easy too. Um, Taco Bell, easy enough, right? Uh, my wife calls it Taco Smell. I might get in trouble for that, I don't know. But uh, for, uh, if anyone works at Taco Bell or owns a Taco Bell, we apologize uh, for saying that. That was not in my notes. Let me just move on. All right, here we go. Uh, so what do we got there? Apple computers, right? Okay. And then right here? Polo what? Yeah, like clothing, polo clothing, okay. And uh, now let's see, let's see if you guys really are, you know, if you're with it or not. We're going to find out right here. Oh, we got a few Trekkies in the building. All right. Now, that's not a brand, so I kind of tricked you, but it's still important in life to know Star Trek, okay? Live long and prosper, brothers and sisters. Okay. Now, it's also easy to recognize people sometimes. For instance, these people are military people. Okay, these are specifically in the army. Uh, this right here is a police officer. I think this is from somebody from the NYPD. And then uh, right here, we've got a, a chef. Okay, easy enough. And uh, one more. This is a 
A nurse, okay? Yeah, easy. And then this guy right here, this might be a little harder, is, uh, let's see now, who, uh, who is that? Let's see. Oh, for those of you who are not from uh, Gateway, uh, just a little, little friendly rivalry between, between John and my church family, okay? Uh, I'm, now, I'm not sure exactly what team this guy plays for, because I can't see the side of his helmet. i got a couple other pictures here. Maybe that'll help us a little bit see. Oh, there, yeah, he's from the Cowboys, that's right. Oh, and who, what team is that that keeps tackling him? Oh, okay, yeah, I see, okay, got it, all right, all right, good deal. So there are things that are easy to recognize, very easy to recognize. How, however, I got a word for you, and I wonder how we would recognize this. A Christian. I have a question. How many of you are a Christian? Raise your hand if you're a Christian. Okay, that's probably pretty much unanimous uh, in our building, or pretty close anyways. And if I were to say, well, how can you tell that someone is a Christian? There would be a bunch of different answers to that. Even in this room, and then certainly beyond this room, there would be many answers. Some might say, well, you can tell by what the person believes. Others would say, no, it's, it's how a person behaves. Someone else says it's how, uh, if a person attends church or not, or it's by the places that they avoid going to. Some people might say, it's because I went down front and I said a prayer. Someone else says, no, it's because I got baptized. Someone says, well, you can tell a Christian by what candidate they vote for during election time. There are some people who would say that. I'm not one of them. There are, uh, there are people who would say this. They would say, you can recognize a Christian by the books that they read or by the kind of words they speak. Or you can recognize a Christian by the fact that they object to certain cultural trends. Maybe Christians are supposed to picket things. Or you can tell by their morals. That gives them away. Or maybe people, maybe someone would say, no, a Christian is someone who's quiet and contemplative and sits by the river on Sunday morning and thinks about the Lord. There's all kinds of answers about this question, what is a Christian? It can be a little bit confusing sometimes. And I'm going to tell you there's a couple of reasons at least. One reason is because the New Testament is a big book and it has a lot of things in it and people tend to grab a hold of one part and emphasize that part of the New Testament above all other parts. And I, I mean, that's, we're, we're humans and you know, we're apt to do that. And so I understand that. But I'm going to tell you another reason that you might not have thought of that this is a difficult word to define. It's because the word Christian is not well defined in the New Testament. Let me say that again. The word Christian is not well defined in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, you might be surprised to hear this. The word Christian is only mentioned three times in the New Testament. Did you know that? Three times. And here's another thing you may not know. All three times that word is mentioned, it is spoken from the words of outsiders. People who are not Christians. And it's also spoken in a derogatory way every time that it's mentioned, all three times. You go check it out in your Bible. Maybe that'll encourage you to read your Bible this week a little bit on your own. And, and you come and let me know. There's also some history that goes along with that that shows us that there was a lot of, a, a lot of uh, outside pressure and people looking down and being derogatory toward this group of people that outsiders called Christians. But there's another word. 
It's a better word. It's a word that is very defined, frighteningly so. It's the word that Jesus used to identify his first followers. And it's the word that they used to describe themselves. What is the word? Disciple. That's right, disciple. Disciple. Disciple is easily defined. What does disciple mean? It means a follower. It means an imitator, a learner, a student. It means this. If I am a disciple, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to say. If I'm your disciple, whatever you do, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm your disciple, wherever you go, that's where I'm going. I'm going with you. I'm walking right there behind you in your footsteps. As a matter of fact, it means this. If I'm a disciple, so if I'm a disciple of Christ, and I have a situation in my life that's a little confusing, maybe a little sticky, kind of a gray area, I'm not sure what to do. So I'm going to ask God, I'm going to ask Jesus, what should I do about this? I'm going to pray and ask. But before, I, if I'm a disciple, before I get the answer, this is what I could say. God, God i got a question for you, and it's a tough one. I don't know the answer, but, but I want to tell you something. Whatever answer you give me, I'll tell you before you answer, I'm going to do what you say. That's a disciple. See, it's not, God, I got a question for you. Oh, that's the answer? No, no, that's not going to work too well for my life. That's not going to fit for where I'm at. That doesn't quite go, Lord. No, that's not, no, that's not a disciple. Now, there are some people who call themselves Christians who live that way, but that's not a disciple. The 12, the 70 that followed Jesus during his life, and the church, the bride, after he leaves the earth, are disciples. And so while the word Christian might be very slippery and hard to recognize, because everybody means something a little different when they use that word, the word disciple is crystal clear. In fact, it's well defined by Jesus himself. We can hear from his lips. We can hear three places where he describes what a disciple is. The, first, the one we're going to look at today is in John 13, if you've got your Bible. But here's a couple others right here. He says in John 15, 8, This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. John 8, 31, If you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. These are two places where he says, Look, if you're holding on to what I say... And if you're bearing fruit, you are a disciple. But then he says in John 13, what we're going to look at today. The one thing that Jesus emphasized the most. This is how people will recognize his bride. Let's pray and then we'll read. God, thank you. Thank you for letting me be here this morning. What a blessing to be a part of our church family. What a blessing to see little children being growing up learning that when we come to church we go and we ask for prayers not that we pretend thank you god what a blessing god just just to have uh, the the friends and and the visitors and and the people who want to lift your name up in praise i'm just grateful I'm, i feel full in my heart to be here with other disciples today God, would you help us? Would you help us, God, 
to be more recognizable by the power of your spirit. As we study today, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to teach us. We need you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. John chapter 13, and we'll start in verse 33, and instead of reading the whole text as I usually do, today I'm going to go kind of a verse at a time and we'll talk about each one. John 13, 33 says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, what's the, te- what's the context here? Well, it's after the Last Supper. Okay, Judas has already left. He's gone to betray Jesus. He went to get his 30 pieces of silver. So Jesus has lost one. He knows he's getting close to the end of his life. He's got the 11 here. And, and it's one of those moments where he's like, I just, I just need to tell you something else. I need to tell you one more thing before I leave. It's a little bit like our seniors that are graduating this time of year. And us parents, you know, you, you know if you've got a graduating senior or you've had one where you all of a sudden realize they're about to leave. Oh, man, and I, I don't think I ever showed her how to change a tire. Okay, honey, come here. Come in the driveway. you got to learn how to change a tire, okay? Or you got to learn to change the oil. Or maybe if it's for boys that are going off to college, you got to shower, okay? When you go, you got to shower, all right? And, and pizza, it goes bad after 15 hours on the counter, all right? After that, I mean, you got to make sure and throw that stuff away. And, and please, look, this is how you run the washing machine right here. And use a towel, okay? More than one towel this semester, all right? And, uh, and, and wash it at least, at least once. And so you got a few things that kind of come up on your mind and you think, oh, I, I, I got to tell you this before you leave. I got to tell you one more thing before I go. This is important. You've got to know this. And that's what we've got Jesus here saying, I'm about to leave and you can't come with me where I'm going, but here's the one thing. So listen close. And I can imagine, although the text doesn't say this, I can imagine because of what it's going to say in a minute, that Peter just hears, you can't go where I'm going. And I can imagine that Peter's having one of those, one of those dialogues in his head. What, is, what does he mean I can't go where he's going? Now, hold, wait a second. I'm, I'm a disciple. That's what I do. I go where he goes. I've been going where he goes for three years. What does he mean I can't go? I, I mean, wait a second. Is he leaving? Is Andrew getting to go with him? I'll tell you what. If Andrew's going, I am going. He is not going to go instead of me. He is not taking my place. I, what is going on here? And Jesus says, I'm about to leave. So I want you to listen close. And he says this, a new command I give you. A new command. Now that word new can mean in the original language unusual or strange or odd or or something that you've not thought of before or considered. And at this I can imagine the apostles must have scooted forward to to the edge of their seat to hear. He's about to tell us something new. Something important, some last instruction. He's going somewhere, we're not sure, but he's about to tell us something very, very important. And here it is, right here. Here's this very, very important thing. Love one another. Love? That's not new. What? Why did he say that? He said he was going to give us a new command. That's not really new at all. I mean, we, we grew up learning the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of love scriptures about how we should treat each other. And in fact, Jesus, you've told us all kinds of stories to illustrate this in all kinds of ways. What do you mean new? And then Jesus qualifies it. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Those five words, 
as I have loved you. There's no more conversation in this, but if they had asked, what do you mean by as I've loved you? Well, you know Matthew. Matthew, you remember? Do you remember Matthew? Do you remember the day? Remember the day that you were sitting at your table and that was the day I met you? Do you remember that, Matthew? Do you remember what you were doing? Oh, do we have to talk about this, Jesus? Do we, I really don't. I've kind of blocked that out. Can we just skip this part? No, no, let's talk about it. You were a traitor. Hey, Peter. Peter, you seem kind of checked out. Are you thinking about something? Peter, hey. Oh, yeah? Do you remember the day that we met Matthew? Do you remember what he's doing? Yeah, I remember. John, do you remember what we did after we got Matthew and he started following us? Yeah, I remember. You made us go to his house. And who was there, John? Man, there was a bunch, of, a bunch of his friends there. It was all the people my mama told me never to hang out with. And you took us to that party. Yeah, that's right. And do you remember when we were there? Do you remember the tension that was between you guys and between Peter? Do you remember that? I mean, between Matthew. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't like him very much. And do you remember how we handled that tension? Do you remember how we worked through together? Even though you guys had all kind of problems with you. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember that. And do you remember how I didn't take sides with either one of you? Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Well, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I want you to love as I loved you, Matthew, Peter, John, the rest of you. I want you to love that way. Is that not enough? What about you, Nathaniel? Remember the day I met you? Oh, no, not this one. Not this one, Lord. Don't tell this story. Yeah, do you remember? I don't think all the guys have heard that story. Do you remember that day that I met you? And, and your brother came and said, we found the Messiah. And you said, who is it? And he said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Do you remember what you said, Nathaniel? Oh, don't bring this up, Jesus. You said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Do you remember when you said that? You remember that? In one sentence, you dissed my whole town, my whole family, everybody that I love, all my friends. In one sentence, you just slammed us to the ground. Do you remember that, Nathaniel? Yes. And how did I treat you, Nathaniel? You asked me to come along and go with you. That's right. We said, come on, be our friend, be my follower, come along with us. And that's how I want you to love people. I want you to love people like that. As I have loved you. As I have loved you. And so I've been preparing for these lessons for several weeks. I've been reading and praying and thinking, and I know there are some of you who don't think that's hard work, and I'll tell you it is hard work, but uh, whether you think it is or not, we both can agree on this. That's not near as hard as living it out, right? <laughs> Somebody who really thinks it's not hard work is like, amen, that's right, living it, you know, and I agree with you. That's exactly right, and here's the deal. God doesn't let me just think about it and pray about it and write stuff down, and so about two weeks ago, I'm driving right out here on on Sutterth Drive, and I'm just a little ways up here, up the road this way, okay, right by the bank, right over here, and I'm driving, and those of you that are from Gateway, you know the little car that I'm driving right now, right, I got that little red car, and it's like about the size of a go-kart, okay, it's a tiny little car, and, uh, and by the way, it gets 40 miles to the gallon, thank you very much, all right, and so I'm driving my little old Honda there, and I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, this big, huge truck just moves over into my lane, and he gets so close to hitting me, I mean, I look in my mirror, and it feels like his bumper is in my ear, all right? That's where he's at. And, uh, and, and so I, I move over, and then he sees me, and he moves back, okay? 
And so then he pulls up beside me. And so here I am, I'm driving, and I look out at him and give him a look. All right? Let me show you this. I, I look out, I'm, I got my hand on the window like this, and I look out my window and I look at him. And then I gave him a look that's one of those looks like, what stupid planet are you from? Are you from moron planet? Is that where you're from? Are you from imbecile planet? Are you from numbskull planet? Which planet are you from? And he, he saw, I don't know how he saw me, but he saw me, okay? And I'm glad he did because he got what he deserved. He got my, that look that let him know what he had just done to me. And, and so then he, he goes on ahead of me and then he pulls over in front of me and he starts to slow down and he pulls over on the side of the road right in front of the church. And I pulled into the parking lot of the church because I'm the preacher and I'm going to church. I'm going to work. <laughs> and then so he sees me pull in. So he goes on down that way and he pulls in the parking lot and he comes flying back toward me. And he rolls his window down and I'm trying to find my phone to dial 911 in case I get run over or something. And he, he rolls his window down, he sticks his arm out the window and he looks at me. You got a problem? That's what he said to me, which is the way you interpret that is, you want me to run over your little car? Is that what you want? And so I I'm, I'm, can't find my phone to do 911, so I'm starting to change the story. I'm like, I was worried about you. I thought you fell asleep in your truck. You almost ran over me. He said, no, I just had to swerve because that other guy back there almost ran into me. And I said, all right, I'm glad you're okay. So we don't have a problem? And I said, no. And he said, okay, I guess I don't have a problem either. And he took off, all right? And that was the end of our little deal there. And, and so in some ways, it's like no big deal. I mean, it's a little traffic thing. We all have them occasionally or whatever. And I'm doing better on how I respond to people. I used to respond in worse ways than just the moron look, okay? So I'm saying I'm growing in Christ. But it's, in some ways, it's not that big of a deal. And yet, as I said in the parking lot, I thought, how is he going to know what the bride of Christ looks like if I treat him that way? How will he know if I don't love him like Christ loved me? How will he know? And so God is gracious. And just this week, I'm driving in the same spot in my same little car, and a big truck, not the same guy, but a big truck, pulled over and almost ran over me again. And I moved over, and he saw me, and he moved back. And then he pulled up beside me, and I waved. And he went on, and I thought, well, good. God gave me an opportunity to show something better than what I did the first time. God is gracious, and he's patient. I'm thankful. I need it. I need it. Some of you might be thinking, swerving in traffic? I mean, who cares? It's not even that important, John. Really? You don't think so? Look at what Jesus said. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So I know all of you are Christians. You raised your hand. But the question today is this. Are you a disciple? Do you love as he loved you? Not just a feeling, but do you serve people like Paul talked about in Philippians when, when Bob got up here and read for us this morning? Do you consider others better than yourself? Do you put their needs before your own? When you don't get your way, do you respond like Jesus responded? Because when you do that, when you respond like Jesus did, 
you're being a disciple. You're being the bride of Christ, and you're being good and beautiful, and the world knows it. Now, here's my favorite part of this particular little story that we've been reading about Jesus and what he says, okay? Because you got to love Peter, right? We got to thank God for Peter. And, and, and after Jesus has laid this one thing out, and it is intense. I mean, this is the most important thing. You guys got to know this. All the people are going to recognize the bride of Christ as being good and beautiful. You just got to get this one thing. And he's thinking, Lord, oh, I hope they're, I, God, Father, I just hope they're going to get it this time. This one thing, love as I have loved you. And he, he lays it out there for him. And then Peter raises his hand. And he thinks, oh, good, Peter's got a question. What's your question? What's your question, Peter? Where are you going? That's what Peter says. That's what he says right there in 1336. Simon Peter asks, Lord, where are you going? And he's like, Peter, did you miss the point? I was just talking about some important stuff here, about the one main thing that you got to love. Oh, I know that love stuff. That's all good. I mean, that's great, okay? I, I, I mean, I, but, but here's the deal. I'm a disciple, and I'm going to go wherever you go, okay? And, and so I'm going to follow you anywhere. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going with you. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus is going to say a little bit later in the scripture, he's going to say, hey, hey, Peter, in just a little while, a middle school girl is going to intimidate you so that you're going to deny me three times. No, I will not. I will die for you. There's no way I would do that. And Jesus, this isn't in the text. I'm just saying, I think this is the, the feeling. This is where Jesus must have felt some of this stuff we do. Peter, I don't want you to die for me. I don't even want you to follow me where I'm about to go when I, we leave this room. I want you to do something way harder than that. Way harder. There can't be anything harder than dying for you. What are you talking about, Lord? I want you to love these people right here. That's what I want you to do for the rest of your life. I want others to see you and be drawn to the edge of this good and beautiful community and be amazed at the way you treat, you treat each other. I want them to come up to the edge of this community and look in and say, did you see how those husbands treat their wives? That's amazing. Did you see how those wives love their husbands? That is incredible. Did you see how those people value teenagers and children? Did you see how they treated the widows? Wow, this is incredible the way that those people live. Did you see the, the way the bosses treat their employees and the way the workers work hard for their bosses? Did you see that? Look at them love. So Jesus is trying to get Peter to say, look, go build communities like that. So that people on the edge will say, I don't know if I want to become one of you guys. I'm not sure yet. I don't even know if I believe this, but I want to be around you guys. That's what I want to do. I hope my daughter marries someone just like the men in this community. I don't know if I want to be one of you guys, but I would hire every one of you because I can't believe the way you guys treat each other. This is incredible. And I want you to understand this. There are people right here in our gateway community who are doing that, what I just said. They haven't decided yet if they believe the whole story. And the stuff that Dennis laid out masterfully in his class this morning about the message of the Bible, they're still working that out between them and the Lord. But they are here and they want to be around us. They're hoping they're going to catch it and by osmosis they're going to get it and that they're going to learn it. And you know why? It's because you love like Jesus loves. And when you do, it is good and beautiful. Is this thing going to work? Yeah. It's good and beautiful.
And Jesus said, this is how they're going to know. This is how they're going to recognize. It's not by what you believe. It's not by your baptism. It's not by your prayers. Not to say those aren't important, but that's not how those people are going to know. They're not going to know. Not because your old hymns that you sing or because of your new worship band that you use at your church. Not because that you've never said a cuss word or never smoked a cigarette. Not by how you go to the church building every week. None of that is going to be the reason that they're going to know. They're going to know for one reason. Because you love as I have loved you. Now, this is true also collectively. I want to say this real quickly as we finish about churches as well, not just individuals. Churches need to look out for the needs of other people besides their self. I talked with a guy on the phone this week. I, I, I was a reference for a friend of mine that wants to be a preacher at this other town in another state. And so the person called me and asked some questions about this friend of mine. And we talked for a while, and we got near the end of the conversation, and this is what he said. He said, man, he seems like a good fit to me, and he seems like he'd be able to reach out to some younger people in our community, and he seems like we could have some diversity in our church because we're getting older, and we all look the same, and I think we need a guy like this, but he's black. And there are a couple of families in our church, and I don't know if we're going to be able to convince them that this is okay. And I thought, there it is. There it is right there. There's people who have just decided, at least those couple of families, this, this man, and I'm not going to tell you who this is, but you pray for this church. This man was fighting against that. He was saying, I don't want us to have that kind of church. I don't want to be that kind of people. But a couple of families had decided, you know what church is for? It's for me. It's for us. It's for us to have things the way we want to have them. That's what church is about. And that is not good and beautiful. It's possible for a church to become self-centered, self-preserving, turned inward. And so part of our DNA, I'm going to tell you, at Gateway is this. We do not exist to only take care of ourselves. And there are several practical, specific ways that we try to avoid being centered on ourselves. And do like Paul said in Philippians, not to be selfish and not impress others and to be humble and think of others better than ourselves. And here's some practical ways we do it. We pray for other Christians in our village who go to other churches. We don't only pray for gateway members. We pray for other Christians in our village. We announce events that are going on at other churches because we're not competing with other churches. And that, those things might help us, but we also want to support other ministries. We join together with other believers to work and pray together and worship together. And one of the things we do here at Gateway for ourselves is that we make sure, we try to make sure that no one, no one gets their way all the time. We try to make sure of that. Now, if you're one that you're saying, I've been getting my way all the time, you bring it to our attention and we'll take care of that, okay? Because we don't think that's healthy. When you get your way all the time, you become a spoiled little brat. And you do not represent the bride of Christ well. I'll tell you this, not only do we do that to grow in patience here at Gateway, but you know what? Even you guys that are from Texas, we do some things to serve you. How many of you are from Texas? Raise your hand. You're visiting from Texas. Look around. Look at that. You thought, you thought it was us that wasn't saying hi to you. It's your fellow Texans. They're not even saying hi to you. We do some things for you at this church. Because we consider you better than ourselves. We've made the decision not to have instruments in our worship on Sundays. 
The elders are leading us in that way. And it's not for doctrinal reasons that there's something wrong with worshiping with instruments. In fact, the elders have made it crystal clear that we believe the Bible teaches that God is pleased with instrumental worship. So why would we make that decision to sing a cappella? We did it for you. We did it for you. Because we want you to be encouraged and uplifted when you're on vacation. And we feel like there's some of you that are from Churches of Christ, that are from Texas, that if you came here and we had instruments, you would be so uncomfortable that you couldn't be a part of this with us. And we love you. And we want to serve you. And so we consider you better than ourselves. And we are practicing love by giving you what you need. So the point of this is that the church collectively, in whatever ways we do it, we have to work hard to put others before ourselves, to love as Jesus loved, and when we do, we're good and beautiful. And I'm going to finish right here at the end with some stuff about individuals, and this is it. I want you to raise your hand if you're a part of the Bride of Christ. Raise your hand if you're a part of the Bride of Christ. All right, most everybody in here. I want us to try something. If you raised your hand this week, let's try to rebrand what the world sees when they think of Christians. To give brand recognition to this word Christian. They're going to keep calling us that and we're not going to change any of that. But let's try to change the way people look at that by the way we live our lives. By the way we love as Jesus did. Now I know that, you're, I know that your wife is wacko. Okay, I know that. I know. And I know your husband is a mess. I know he's crazy. I know. I got that. I know your teenager is well, a teenager, I know, I know that. I know your parent hadn't had a, a, like a, a, any kind of original thought since about 1965. I get that, okay? I know that all the people you live around are nuts and that you're the only balanced person who's not an idiot, okay? Everybody else, they all are. You're right and they're wrong. I know all that. I got it, okay? I understand. I know where you're coming from. But don't you think Jesus ever felt that way? Don't you think Jesus was ever sitting there thinking, like, Hey, where are you going, Jesus? And he's like, oh, man. When are they ever going to get it? Hey, Jesus, we got to find out which one of us is the greatest. Oh, not again. Jesus, you want us to call down fire and kill those people over there? Oh, man, Lord. Hey, Jesus, come on down from the cross if you're who you say you are. Come on. Don't you think he ever felt that way? And how did he respond? Love. So what if we just took, what if we just started by taking seven days? And we said, I'm not going to take my cues from anyone except him. Nobody else. Nobody else gets a vote. Just what he thinks. I'm going to be a disciple this week. I'm going to love other people exactly like he does. And if we did that, that would be good and beautiful. That would be a bride that's good and beautiful. And i got to say one last thing before we have an invitation. To those of you who maybe haven't made up your mind about Jesus yet, can I encourage you to do something? Can I encourage you to, to refuse that you would miss Jesus because a few people, a few of us, who call ourselves Christians but aren't disciples, we can knock you off track so fast. Would you, would, would you do me a favor? Would you ignore those people? And would you, 
hone in on a few of these people that are disciples of Jesus. And would you please, for the love of God, for the sake of your soul, would you not miss Jesus? Please. Please don't miss him. He is good and beautiful. He calls you to be in relationship with him. And if you're not, it's his invitation to come to him and give your life to him today. Whatever you might need, we'll have shepherds here who could pray with you. You come as we stand and as we sing.